And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. We don't give enough credit to signs, and we really should. That sign over there tells you great French fries. That sign over there tells you this is your exit. And look at that legendary sign. It's the Motel 6 sign. It tells you a great night's rest at a great price. Book online at motel6.com. And use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Look for the signs. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a great price when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letter CP. Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That's a great deal. And that's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley as we begin a Thursday, a very special Thursday. <laughs> Gary, good morning. <laughs> it is a very special Thursday. Uh, coming up here in just, uh, well, a minute or so, mm. a bombshell. Bombshell a Thursday. Big, it's Bombshell Thursday. <laughs> it's Bombshell Thursday. <laughs> but but first, some entertainment on a very serious topic, uh, you know, wanting to spend trillions of dollars of taxpayer money. And you would assume that the administration could answer the question of, okay, if we spend this money, what are we going to get, right? Yeah. yeah. All right, here yeah. we go. And this All is right. on climate change. This is Biden's Deputy Energy Secretary, David Turk, and... Senator Kennedy is asking the questions about the, well, what is it, 50 to $90 trillion that they wish to spend for the Green New Deal? Yeah. All right, so here's the back and forth. Percent of global emissions. Yeah, but if you could answer my question, if we spend $50 trillion to become carbon neutral in the United States of America by 2050, you're the Deputy Secretary of Energy. Give me your estimate of how much that is going to reduce world temperatures. So, so first of all, it's a net cost. Um, it's what uh, benefits we're having from getting our act together and reducing all of those climate benefits. We're seeing. Let me ask again. Maybe I'm being. Right now maybe I'm not being clear. If we spent fifty trillion dollars to become carbon neutral by two thousand and fifty in the United States of America, how? How much is that going to reduce world temperatures? This is a global problem. So we need to reduce our emissions and we need to do everything we can. How much, if we do our part, is it going to reduce world temperatures? So we're 13 percent of global emissions. You don't know, do you? You don't know, do you? You can do the math. We need to. You don't know, do you, Mr. Secretary? So we're 13 percent of global emissions. If you know, why won't you tell me? If we went to zero, that would be 13 percent. You don't know, do you? You just want us to spend $50 trillion. And you don't have the slightest idea whether it's going to reduce world temperatures. Now, I'm all for carbon neutrality, but you're the deputy secretary of the Department of Energy, and you're advocating we spend trillions of dollars to seek carbon neutrality, and you can't, and this isn't your money or my money, it's taxpayer money, and you can't tell me how much it's going to lower world temperatures? Or you won't tell me? You know, but you won't? 
In my heart of hearts, there is no way the world gets its act together on climate change unless the U.S. leads. Tell me how much it's going to reduce. You you can't tell me. (laughs) Now, I disagree with Kennedy where he said, I'm all for carbon neutrality. Yeah. When he said, why do you you throw that in? I mean, that's just, don't don't play the game with them. No, it's, it's very simple. You tell us we need to do this to save the planet. You're saying we have to spend this so it will result in what? Right. What is the result? And he just talked in circles because they don't know. Well, what, what he should actually say is the answer is zero. Because even if you believe in man-made climate change and that man can make a big difference in it, the if we reduce it and there is no there, there's no intention of third world countries or China or India reducing it, that it's not going to do anything. No, it, it won't do anything, but they can't even make up their own lie. No. We believe the result will be a reduction between three and four degrees Celsius. Say something. Yeah. Well, this is where we go back to the if you're going to lie, lie big. Well, you, you've got all this way to get 50 to $100 trillion, depending on who you ask. You're having an actual discussion about it on Capitol Hill, and you don't, you didn't bring your ammunition? Yeah. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> and And that's coming from the. The uh, pro pro climate change <laughs> from, from from the we need to be carbon neutral yeah. in order to re- reduce uh, global warming. Right. And you don't have your lie straight. You can't go in there and say you don't know. You've got to make something up. The Biden administration does it all the time. How are you not paying attention right. by now? You go back, watch the tape. Go back and watch the tapes. 1989 on Capitol Hill. If you're working in the D.C. area by the year 2000, you're going to have to take a gondola to work. Go through all of those lies and craft a new one. How did you not do that? Right. Or come out and say, look, we I don't know the specific temperature, but if we, the United States, takes the lead on it, then our planet will be much more secure. I, I, I <laughs> You know, because they can actually say, they can actually say... Because the lie doesn't matter, does it? If it's not the truth, it doesn't matter. I expected you to comment on it because I made the border argument. I said the world would be much more secure. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. that, one, that, that I, I worked no, on that. I thought is, about that. The world that, is secure. <laughs> and I put all that effort into figuring that out in my head. How can I throw secure into this for climate change yeah. to relate it to the border? Yeah. And you went right over it like it didn't matter. Like what I had to say didn't matter at all. Yeah, well, work harder. So here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should have. I wore that shirt yesterday. What's that? Nobody cares. Work harder. Oh. <laughs> I wore that oh. shirt yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that either. (laughs) (laughs) True story. I actually didn't. You know, but this is the thing. Just pick a number. Yeah, pick pick a number. Pick a number. You know, because in my mind, when you say three degrees, four degrees Celsius, first of all, you're in the United States. We have no idea what that means Fahrenheit. None. 
Trust me, everybody has to Google it. <laughs> Everyone in the U.S. would have to Google it. And that's why you say it. That's why you crap. Do I have to think of every lie for the Democrats? They can't even, they're quiet quitting on their own lies. How are you? Are you all smoking weed? You just show up and go, uh, uh, uh. no, no, this is where you're supposed to be lying. Create the lie. Because here's the thing. Over that period of time, nobody's going to keep track of it. Except for old talk show hosts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even and if you're not going to say Celsius, confuse them more. Uh-huh. Say it will reduce it two degrees Kelvin. Kelvin. Use Kelvin. Use Kelvin. He's not doing anything. <laughs> and then Kenny would go, I have no idea what Kelvin I, is. <laughs> what is. What is Kelvin? Well, we think you should know. <laughs> yeah, you use it right back. You should know. How do you not know what Kelvin is? We all know what Kelvin is. We all know what Kelvin That's how serious this problem is. You don't even know what Kelvin is. This is how how dangerous the situation is right now. What's Kelvin? It's amazing, though. Uh, I, I thought by this time Canada w- would have gone to Kelvin. You would think. What's wrong with Canada? Oh, my gosh. I love it. Prince Harry. We're leaving. We're going to go somewhere where there's no British rule. Uh, You're in Canada, dude. (laughs) You got to go a little further. A little further. A little further. (laughs) Look at the money. Just Just look down at the money. Then you'll figure it out. Oh man, I'm telling you. I, it, uh, no, this I, I, this is I, the that insanity. Was that, yeah, you just, I had to play it because it was just it, that was the one audio cut that really made me laugh. And it's like <laughs> you don't need, you don't know, do you? Yeah, yeah. Well, what well, we have to do? No, no, no. Tell me, you know, project out if you're going to spend fifty trillion dollars. Yeah. Don't you think that it would be nice if you even you know, just made up a lie so there's a particular goal. Right. And as you said before, uh, back when they talked about by the time we get to 2000, uh, that uh, Washington, D.C. will be flooded. Right. You know, and, and so make up something. You've been doing it for the last 50 years. Well, make up something else. 4.2 degrees Kelvin. Yes, exactly. Or just go full on weed. 420 degrees <laughs> Kelvin. I mean, say something. How do you not have the lie? How do you not have the talking points? Yeah, that was... You can't even fake it anymore. You can't even lie anymore. Just grab a number out of the air. You know, maybe it's in relation because I did notice Corrine Jean-Pierre yesterday. And maybe it is her... I don't know. Maybe it is her hair and you can see more of her face. Mm. But it you, I saw her again yesterday and it was like the look on her face is... I don't want to be here. No, she's she looks completely I, I, I um, mean, resigned it, to that idea. Yeah, it was and and now and and we'll get to this because really this is it. What what we found out yesterday and I was on the golf course when I found it out. Mm. Uh I'm sitting there going, "Wow, this is going to really mess up my golf game because all I'm going to be doing is and it didn't mess up my golf game. No, good. I played great. The That's lessons awesome. have been worth it. But um uh, but I started the reading, and it's like Gary got to hit your shot. Oh, yeah, okay. But uh, the what we got yesterday 
the uh, you know the the now the uh, Republicans saying they have a whistleblower, yeah, and a very credible whistleblower, and the FBI has the form that shows that uh, on that form that basically Biden took a bribe when he was vice president. Mm. That that form that they have the evidence that the president, you know, took money, and in return, they know what that favor is, and we'll get to that coming up. But that that totally changes everything, and now she's going to be under the gun on that constantly because now it isn't about Hunter Biden anymore. And we said it from the very beginning; it was never yeah. about Hunter Biden, right? And we'll go through a lot of this coming up. But I thought to myself, "Wow, what is how?" Because that question is now going to be asked five different ways. I was reading, just started reading the article in the New York Post saying, now the media sleuths are on it. They want to find out what this was. Yeah. You know, what was, what pot. And so now they're going through everything that he did as vice president and trying to find out, okay, what was the bribe? Because, and I know that you have many outlets looking at this saying, was a possible bribe Ukraine? Yeah. Because when you think about it, because if it is Ukraine, Mm. If it is Ukraine and and that's what the whistleblower has, and this document, which is unclassified, right? Apparently exists, and the Republicans have, you know, uh, Comer has subpoenaed that uh, particular thing. It lines out, you know, what the crime actually is. There's a couple of things. If the FBI has known this for two, three years and done nothing about it, right? And they know that there's an actual crime there, or They've had this and did not put a special counsel onto Hunter Biden because it leads to the president. Yeah. And they've known all along that the accusation and the the evidence exists on that form that the president took a bribe and they didn't go to a special counsel to take it out. I mean, then, then that they, is, know, they knew where it would lead. We talked right. about this. We kind of touched on this before knowing this, before this story broke. I think it was last week or maybe the week before. And we said, look, you know, you think about assigning a special counsel, that, that goes all the way to, to Joe Biden. Right. And if they do that, you know, you open up the entire can of worms. And if if everything goes down like what they're saying in terms of this new whistleblower, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but now the pressure is going to be on her for every single day because now it's not going to be, okay, it's just Hunter. Now this is the the allegation from the Republicans now is that they have a whistleblower that says the president took a bribe when he was vice president. That changes everything. We'll say it like we said it a couple of weeks ago when the, I forget what the particular issue was, but you better be right. Oh yeah, yeah. We always say that you better. You better. You right. better have it before well, I mean, you open your mouth about it. Well, I mean, they again. I mean, it's not. This isn't just an accusation. For example, Comer threw out a, some generalized accusations mm-hmm. without anything. Right. What they're saying is we have the FBI or, or the the whistleblower. Yeah. Came to us and said we have right. the FBI generated FD ten twenty three form, mm-hmm. and we'll get to that coming up here yeah. in a little yeah. bit which shows it, which is a little bit different than just making the accusation. Right, right. And that's it's, my point. Right. You better have what you say you have. Yep. Uh, oh, I agree with you completely. Because yeah, yeah. otherwise, if you don't have it, then you lose credibility. Oh, yeah, big time. we got a great show ahead, 866-90-RED-EYE. Logging miles during the hot summer months can put a serious strain on you and your truck's health. 
Did you know pollutants and allergens in the air outside can enter your cab through the HVAC system without you even cracking a window? That's why it's important to check those cabin air filters. Not only do dirty cabin air filters contaminate the air you breathe, they can also cause major damage to HVAC components like blower motor resistors and AC compressors. Have your cabin air filter serviced if you notice less airflow than usual coming from the interior vents. This is a common sign that your filters are at the end of their life cycle. Breathe easy when the air in your cab is fresh. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. You know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Okay, two things that I uh, want to say. I guess neither are really uh, corrections, but uh, got some uh, feedback where, you know, uh, people said that when we were talking about Paul Stanley yesterday, mm-hmm. coming out against the, you know, the whole, uh, as he did the, uh, uh, the, the surgery for minors, yeah. the transgender surgery for minors, and he came out against it. Right. And we were just making fun of. We agree with him on it. We were yeah, just we, make, we, we were, know that he sides with people, right? Well, critical thinking people, right? We were just we were just having fun yeah. with him because yeah. of Kiss and the makeup. Yeah. But we actually, some people took that as if we we thought he had a differing differing opinion than we have, and and yeah. that is not yeah, the yeah. case. No, no, no. Another one. I think it was. I think it was. I can't remember. Can't remember. Was it Twitter? Uh, somebody said that we had used the. The transgender pronoun uh, for someone who's like, for example, if somebody was a transgender uh, woman, which means they're a biological male, that we said she. If that happened, it was a mistake. No, we no, we were reading it from a story. They phrased oh, okay. it that way in the story. It was okay. a few days ago. Okay. Yeah. All right. They phrased it. 
the the people who in wrote the, the story in the okay in the that. story yeah because yeah. that's we will whatever it's like if Caitlyn wishes if somebody wishes to call themselves Caitlyn as Caitlyn you know Jenner has they changed their name they changed the name yeah they they changed the name we'll refer to them as the name but we don't refer to it because that that is a biological label and so mm-hmm. uh, we won't do that if we read the article then that would be something right, different right. that we read, we were but, reading an article right. verbatim okay yeah all right. One because I was like, really? That normally you would, you and I would catch something like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, that's uh, just wanted to uh, to uh, to clarify that. So, yes. Uh, so here we go. House Oversight uh, uh, Committee Chairman James Comer has subpoenaed the FBI for records alleging a criminal scheme involving then Vice President Joe Biden. A subpoena obtained uh, by news media yesterday, including Breitbart News, where I'm reading this from. The document in FBI-generated FD-1023 form allegedly details an arrangement involving an exchange for money for policy decisions Mm. between now uh, Vice President Biden and a foreign national. Mm. Comer issued the subpoena Wednesday following legally protected disclosures to Senator uh, Chuck Grassley's uh, office. Uh, Comer and Grassley wrote to the Attorney General and the FBI Director and said, we have received legally protected and highly credible unclassified whistleblower disclosures based on those uh, disclosures that's come to the attention that the Department of Justice and the Federal Bureau of Investigation possesses an unclassified FD-1023 form that describes the alleged criminal scheme involving then-Vice President Biden and a foreign national relating to the exchange of money for policy decisions. It has been alleged that the document includes a precise description of how the alleged criminal scheme was employed as well as its purpose. We'll continue with this coming up because that's... That's the biggest bombshell of this administration so far. Yeah, this one goes straight to the top. Yep. to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Uh, so uh, just to continue the, the letter uh, that was sent to the FBI uh, and uh, also to the Department of, uh, of Justice from um, Comer and Grassley, Uh, We have received legally protected and highly credible unclassified whistleblower disclosures. Based on these disclosures, it's come to our attention that the Department of Justice and the Federal Bureau of Investigation possess an unclassified FD-1023 form that describes as, uh, excuse me, an alleged criminal scheme involving then-Vice President Biden and a foreign national relating to the exchange of money for policy decisions. It has been alleged that the document includes a precise description of how the alleged criminal scheme was employed as well as its purpose. Based on the alleged 
specificity within the document, it would appear that the Department of Justice and the FBI have enough information to determine the truth and accuracy of the information described within it. However, it remains unclear what steps, if any, were taken to investigate the matter. The significant public interest in assessing the FBI's response to this information, as well as growing concern about the Department of Justice and the FBI's track record of allowing political bias to infect their decision-making process, necessitate exacting congressional oversight. Exacting, excuse me, ex- uh, necessitate exacting congressional oversight. The Department of Justice and FBI appear to have valuable, verifiable information that you have failed to disclose to the American people. Therefore, Congress will proceed to conduct an independent and objective review on this matter, free from those agencies' influence. And then I'm going to hear from Breitbart. Here's the analysis. Elements of potential bribery scheme involving Joe Biden and his family members' overseas business interests has been evident for years. Breitbart's Joel Pollack wrote in March that there was evidence supporting the impeachment of President Biden for bribery, Hunter Biden's overseas business ventures have been recognized as early as 2015 as a potential conflict of interest for his father. Diplomats and journalists question Hunter Biden's appointment to the board of the Ukrainian energy company Burisma, where he earned $83,000 per month despite lacking relative expertise while his father was in office. Those concerns were brushed aside, however, uh, by the vice president's office, and the issue was never resolved. Hunter Biden also connected other foreign business associates with his father, including Chinese associates. The criminal statute of bribery describes giving anything of value to an official to influence him or her in performing any official act. The fact that the thing of value might have flowed to Biden's friends and family rather than Biden himself would not absolve him, as we've said before. Mm -hmm. And there is evidence that the senior Biden benefited from his family gains. Uh, bribery and treason are two crimes specifically mentioned in the Constitution as impeachable uh, uh, offenses. Biden could be impeached retroactively following a precedent set by Democrats in their second impeachment trial of Donald Trump in 2021. Mm. Uh, And then going to the New York Post here, a whistleblower tip about the document allegedly putting President Biden at the center of of a bribery scheme triggered a guessing game across Washington on Wednesday as journalists and politicians poured over Biden's extensive history of interactions with his family's overseas business associates. Biden regularly met with his son Hunter and brother James uh, and, and excuse me. Biden regularly met with his son Hunter and brother James international connections during and after his eight year vice presidency, including Uh, citizens of China, Mexico, Russia, Ukraine, and more. However, the tip pertains to allegedly wrongdoing by President Biden, a source said, meaning that it may not necessarily involve figures linked to his relatives. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer and and Chuck Grassley uh, revealed the whistleblower information Wednesday, saying the tip uh, involves, quote, an alleged criminal scheme involving then-Vice President Biden and a foreign national relating to the exchange of money for policy decisions. It is as explosive, if it is as explosive as we have heard, we expect it will be very difficult to get. Then uh, they're talking about the, the form, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grassley told Fox News Wednesday afternoon, but we know it's unclassified now. 
and the American people deserve transparency from the FBI, and that's what this is all about. Yeah, if it's unclassified, there's no excuse at all. Right. And the thing is, now that the allegation is out there and it's unclassified, the pressure will be on. If this document exists, the pressure will be on the Department of Justice to release it. That will be yeah. the question yeah. over and over again. Does this document actually exist? There, And that's it. And it because there is no excuse otherwise. If it is not a classified document, you can't come out and say, well, uh, we're not going to bring this out because it could um, it could compromise investigations, it could disclose sources, and every other excuse they've used in the recent past. All that's out the window. If it's not classified, there's no reason for it not to be available. And so... You know, you look at the some of the possibilities, Ukraine, uh, the whole Burisma thing. Uh, we know that um, just three days after Hunter joined the board, the White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, then a uh, vice presidential aide, told reporters on Air Force One en route to Kiev that Joe Biden would push for U.S. support of Ukraine's national gas industry, which later was awarded $50 million by Congress. Mm-hmm. And we brought that up. Is that possibly what they're looking into? Mm. Yeah, that that's the, you know, I guess that's the question. I It also, you know, if, if it was known, and that would be my question too, how many individuals were aware of this? <clears throat> we go back to the Obama years. If the allegations are true, how many knew about this? And also... Is this why he wasn't the nominee in 2016? I mean, you have to ask yourself these questions. Because if they thought they weren't going to get away with it, if they thought there was a risk of this coming out back then, then you you basically have to tell them, you don't want this spotlight on you right now. And they go through all the different possibilities there. They talk about the White House stenographer, Mike McCormick, who recently out in mm-hmm. Sullivan. As the, as the anonymous U.S. official who briefed U.S. reporters on that flight. And McCormick is the one who said, no, I was there. I mean, I was there. I saw, mm-hmm. uh, I saw the influence peddling actually in action. I saw a criminal, uh, uh, a criminal event. Now, the New York Post says that, uh, that, uh, it says here that, uh, White House stenographer Mike McCormick, who recently outed Sullivan as an anonymous U.S. official who briefed reporters on the flight, tells the Post he did not contact the FBI in June of 2020, ruling him out of involvement in the latest disclosure due to the date specified in Comer's subpoena. So mm. he's not the whistleblower. Right. It's not, it's not McCormick in this case. Obama uh, uh, Biden administration visitor log show Joe Biden met with his son's business uh, partner, Devin Archer, a since convicted felon in 2014, around the time that Hunter Biden and Archer joined Burisma. And uh, Joe uh, Biden raised eyebrows by visiting the island of Cyprus, where the gas firm's corporate headquarters were located in uh, April of 2014. You know, the thing is, and one of the things that, again, it was pure speculation on our part, but we have stated this for the longest time, you know, the whole thing with uh, impeaching the president over Ukraine. And we've always asked the question that that now that you, you can look at it now, and uh, if you're not a Trump, if you're just not a Trump hater, if you're somebody who says, you know, what's the evidence there? The impeachment was completely bogus. Yeah. And we even asked the question, did was Trump getting too close 
and this is pure speculation, mm. but that's all we have because, as we know, nobody in this administration will let the American public know whether something is true or not true. Right. You know, they if the evidence doesn't exist, if this form doesn't exist, you better. I, I would have thought you would be out today. The statement would have been out today. We don't have this document. It doesn't exist. We don't have evidence. Yeah, the story is false. The allegations are false. Right. And the, and it doesn't exist. I mean, that's going to be their only play. And and but we have asked all the time: Was Trump getting too close? Was mm-hmm. that actually when he you know when he said that? Yeah, right. Because we before any of all this stuff has come out over the last couple of years, even at that point, we said. Well, no, there's a legit concern because we knew at that point that the Obama State Department was concerned yeah. about Hunter's role there. And we right. said, well, right there, you know, right there, that's public knowledge. Right. So Trump bringing it up to sit there and say, uh, you know, that that Trump somehow should be impeached for this. Right. That there wasn't a concern about Hunter Biden uh, and, you know, uh, you know, possibly, you know, influence peddling at that time because that was the whole point. If he was being paid and he knows nothing about the national uh he knows nothing about uh, the natural gas industry whatsoever. Mm. And his father is the point person on Ukraine. That was the beginning of the possible influence peddling. And we said that during the impeachment. Yeah. Way back then. Right. Uh, and then they go through, you know, the, the, the different other possibilities with Burisma. And then <laughs> this is Mexico. Uh, Joe Biden, as vice president, was closely linked to his family's Mexican pursuits as both Hunter and James Biden, uh, Biden courted the country's business elites. And they talk about Hunter Biden visiting Mexico at least six uh, years in a row from 2011 to 2016 while his father was uh, vice president, according to laptop records. Hmm. I'm, I'm sorry, with laptop, I'm just thinking of <laughs> the paternity suit. Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't know if the laptop's his, but um, uh, we're charging anybody who looked at the laptop of yeah. invading Hunter Biden's privacy. Yes. Uh, while his father was vice president, according to laptop records and communications include references to Joe Biden, though details remain vague about the amount of money that changed hands and then the vice president's specific uh, involvement. Then they go on to, you know, the the, the different people that uh, Biden visited there. Then they go to Russia. Mm. You know, and they, they talk about the, uh, you know, the uh, oligarchs, where they yeah. got money from, from them, and then they were... You know, they did not, you know, suffer the sanction release. Romania, China, I mean, they just, they cover a bunch of different countries there. So uh, as the possibilities, but that's what you're going to have now. Everybody's going to be going over everything because now the one excuse from the media was this was about Hunter Biden and Hunter Biden isn't president. Right. Now everything, everything You've connected all the dots. Yeah, the the yeah me, that defense the, is alle- gone. the allegations have connected all the dots. Right. If, okay. If I want to make sure. Is, right. Yeah. If this is accurate and true, then you basically you're there. My gosh! If they find this, but here's my question: Is the left really going to be that upset? Well, when I saw the, <laughs> did, did you see the? Uh, did you see? It, I don't. I don't know if it matters whether the media is upset. It's it's the 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 public. Mm. Uh, when I saw the other day, and and again, you know, uh, the it was the Rasmussen poll. Did you see that one? Sixty percent mm-hmm. believe that Blinken should be impeached. Yeah. 
That quickly. no, that was surprising. Now, that was for surpri- it to be that that was high. Sur- yeah. You know, but and I've got to say, I mean, you, I have questions. I'll put it this way: I have questions about, about Rasmussen polling because Rasmussen polling was one of the polls that showed Biden was down by over twenty points a year and a half ago, and what was it? A couple of days ago, Biden's approval rating was better than his disapproval rating. Right. And a couple of days later, they do this thing on Blinken, and 60% of people believe he should be impeached. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, what's your process, Rasmussen? What are you doing now in, in, in your particular polling? Because none of it seems, none of it seems, to, it, I won't say none of it. Well, yeah, none of it, because I don't believe the president has a positive rating of likely voters. Yeah, I, 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 just, yeah. I just don't buy it. And yeah. so, but when I saw that the other day, that Rasmussen said that 60% of, of uh, Americans, and I'm assuming that would be voters because that's mm. what they do, mm-hmm. likely voters, uh, believe that Blinken should be impeached. Yeah. And, you know, at that, and that's what you're worried about at that point because Americans, there's two things Americans still don't like. One is when politicians don't pay their taxes, mm-hmm. and the other is influence peddling. Yeah. And if this goes beyond influence peddling to bribery, because that's the point. Now you have an allegation of a serious crime. And then you take everything else out there and you say, if you can prove this crime, and then you see over you know, the last uh, 15 years, hundreds of millions of dollars went to Biden's foundation, mm-hmm. tens of millions of dollars to his, to his family and all the different family members. Yeah, yeah. And... You're just like, whoa, at that point, and people are going to want to see what that document is. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Now, this is interesting. Another article that I just am reading from uh, the New York Post on it, the alleged corruption, or this particular allegation of not just corruption, but a criminal act, mm. is believed to be a co- uh, involve a country other than China, the Post understands. We'll get that coming up here. Mm. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. And thank you for uh, being here. Well, surprise, surprise, surprise. Uh, you finally got the 
allegation of criminal wrongdoing hmm. of, uh, of President Biden. Not surprised by this, by the way. Not surprised because you don't look. <laughs> what do they say? If it smells like a duck, it is a duck. Or what yeah. is it? Is that what? Or, Walks, Walks like, like a, a duck. duck. Walk not smells like a duck. Quacks like a duck. <laughs> it smells like a duck. <laughs> if you roast it, put some wine sauce on it. Okay, a little bit of right. potatoes on the side, and then it tastes like a duck. Also a duck. And and that's why you didn't have a lot of support from a lot of Democrats that would defend the president. And when they did, they would say, "Well, uh, this is about Hunter Biden." Or you'd have the occasional. Well, uh, the Trump family makes money off their name. Why can't the Biden family? And that didn't go too far because you can easily dissect that opinion by stating, well, because the Trump family actually is in a legitimate business. What business uh, that, that a business that provides a product? What is the product? What is the product or service? that is worth paying Hunter Biden and the Biden family tens of millions of dollars. And if you talk about their foundations, hundreds of millions of dollars from foreign sources. What did those, what did those countries get in return for that? And why is Joe Biden the, I guess, the the person that all these countries have decided to enrich his family and his foundation mm. to the tens and hundreds of millions of dollars. Why is that? Because other politicians aren't getting that. Remember when the, the Hillary Foundation and, you know, and all the, the you know, minutiae on, on that one, but that wasn't close to what we have here based on the fact of, you know, the anonymous uh, sources and not money going to a foundation, but directly going personally to the families right. or to, to the family members. Right. That was the difference in all this. Everybody knows it's it stinks. I still believe, and I said this uh, before we knew this uh, last week, that I still believe that the nervousness of the Democrats about Biden running again is not his age, is not his cognitive state, but just waiting for the next bombshell to drop, and it just dropped yesterday. Well, I have to wonder again, going back to 2016, is that why he wasn't the nominee? Remember how all that played out? Yep. He kept telling the media, well, I I could beat Trump. I should be the guy. He was told to stand down by somebody. He was told not to run. Uh, more on the development, this again from the New York Post, uh, and uh, I think I don't think Twitter is going to uh, censor this. Uh, in I hope a, not. In a stunning <laughs> development, the House Oversight Committee issued a subpoena Wednesday for an FBI file that a whistleblower says links President Biden to a criminal scheme involving money for policy decisions. The tip is a potential breakthrough for GOP investigators looking into Biden's role in his family's business dealings in such countries as China, Mexico, Russia, and Ukraine. Republicans say the uh, uh, file pertains to wrongdoing by Joe Biden. Mm. 
the alleged corruption is believed to involve a country other than China, the Post understands. Two sources say the whistleblower is not the same person as the IRS agent who anonymously came forward last month to allege allege a cover-up in the criminal investigation of the first son. So those are separate. The document subpoenaed by the Oversight Committee was created or modified in June of 2020, months before Biden won the presidency, and must be supplied uh, to uh, Congress on May 10th, the subpoena says. Mm. Uh, Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer said that the new whistleblower tip raises concerns that then-Vice President Biden allegedly engaged in a bribery scheme with the foreign national. The American people need to know President Biden sold out the United States of America to make money for himself. Uh, in the letter, and we read ports, parts of it last hour, uh, you had Comer and Senate Budget Committee Chairman Ranking Member Chuck Grassley wrote, we have received legally protected and highly credible unclassified whistleblower disclosures. Now, what I find interesting is the Post... I think think we're going to find out. I I wouldn't be surprised the next week if we found out exactly what this allegation is. Because the Post says they have two sources that know who the whistleblower is. Well, see, that's what I wondered about yesterday when this was breaking. I thought, well, how long before we know what it is? Yeah, so if they know who the whistleblower is, then then, uh, they would know... And I guess, I mean, or, I, maybe maybe I'm making too much of an assumption okay, well, that the whistleblower actually would know what's in it, but you don't come forward unless you know what's in that at, what, that, or, that form. Or, to back, you know, to back up here, uh, if you're an official whistleblower, I mean, if you're going through the whistleblower process, you don't leak it to the media first. The You would go through the proper channels to bring that information the way that you're supposed to, so that you're not accused of doing something illegally. Okay, all right. Because you may be an uh, still an employee of the FBI, right? right. So you can't you give, can't share you, it with you, anybody you else. Can't and, share that information, even if it's unclassified. Right, right. You can't. There may be a rule that you can't do it, and so right. you need to go through the whistleblower process. Okay. Knowing that there right. is a whistleblower would be different than knowing what the whistleblower has if the whistleblower wants to go through the proper process. Uh, Based on those disclosures, it's come to our attention the Department of Justice and the Federal Bureau of Investigation possess an unclassified FD-1023 form that describes an alleged criminal criminal scheme involving Vice President Biden and a foreign national relating to the exchange of money for policy decisions. The letter sent alongside the subpoena adds, it has been alleged that the document includes a precise description of how the alleged criminal scheme was employed as well as its purpose. Based on the alleged specificity within the document, it would appear that the DOJ and the FBI have enough information to determine the truth and accuracy of the information contained within it. However, it remains unclear what steps, if if any, were taken to investigate the matter. The White House spokesperson, Ian Sams, 
uh, sought to downplay the news. Quote, for going on five years now, Republicans in Congress have been lobbying unfounded, unproven, politically motivated attacks against the president and his family without offering evidence for their claims or evidence of decisions influenced by anything other than U.S. interests, Sam says. Well, that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, yeah. That's, a, that's pretty much gaslighting. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 this is the first time that Republicans, I mean, Comer did it a couple of weeks ago where he said mm-hmm. this, but throwing out the criminal aspect of it is just right. a, a, a last couple of weeks really has been thrown out by anybody who's in authority. Right. And as we have stated all along, and if you've listened to this show, we said it could have been influence peddling, but but there may be no laws broken at that point. And we went through the possibility of laws that would be broken, which you know would be bribery, mm-hmm. uh, would be not reporting the income on your. As again, that's one of the charges against Hunter Biden. He didn't report right, right. and on his taxes, and you wonder, well, why didn't you? Yeah, then possible wire fraud, that kind of wire you know, fraud, stuff things that, like that. Right, yeah. exactly. Not registering as a foreign agent. Foreign agent, yes. And but but we have again, those are allegations, and we look at the possible charges there. So uh, that's a little bit of gaslighting there from Ian Sams. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. Uh, FBI spokesman said the FBI received the subpoena in the letter. We don't have any additional comment. The Justice Department spokesperson said the department has received the letter and will decline to comment further. Hmm. Grassley said in the Wednesday afternoon uh, appearance on Fox News, this comes from credible and unclassified whistleblower disclosures, the possible criminal activity when Biden was vice president, and we want this information. The Justice Department and the FBI need to come clean with the American people about what they did with the document because we know the document exists. Yep. So, did the whistleblower provide them information that they're not saying? <clears throat> Let me ask you this. Hmm. In order for them to say, we know the document exists, have they seen a copy of the document? Yeah, why, how, would they, how would they know otherwise that it exists? Because if it's unclassified, the only thing you're doing of not bringing it forward is you wish to protect the whistleblower who still may be employed there and he would and he or she would lose lose their job uh yeah. until all the legalities of the whole whistleblower whatever process is complete yeah well because that hmm yeah, because that process likely has to, well, it's going to have to go through Christopher Ray's office, you know, the, the, the process of a whistleblower. The, the CIA has a different process, and I don't think it applies the same to the FBI, so, but there would be a process, so maybe they just have to wait. But if there is a copy of it floating around, I mean, I, I don't know how they would know it exists. How can you say that without seeing it? Seeing it, right. Because you would respond and say, the whistleblower says this document exists, and that's not what they said. That's not what they said, right. And they're not saying we're confident Mm -hmm. it exists. Right. They said it exists. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, we know it's not the IRS whistleblower. Right. And we know it's not Mike McCormick, the former White House stenographer. 
Right. So they're separate whistleblowers. Right. Remember, the IRS whistleblower is the one on the fact that, uh, you know, that uh, uh, basically the Department of Justice and that Merrick Garland lied uh, to Congress and the Department of Justice is not going forward with this and they should be going forward with the that actual investigation. So that's separate. And Mike McCormick is the one that said no. He saw, and this would have been with Ukraine, that uh, he saw the influence uh, uh, peddling and what he believes was the criminal activity on that plane. And Biden, or excuse me, Biden and Jake Sullivan uh, were involved in that. Now the national security director. Mm-hmm. Phew. Tough to keep track of now. It's starting to get, to, well, not starting. It's always been complicated trying to figure this uh, out. But this is the thing that within a, if, if you would expect that the Department of Justice and the FBI would come out in a statement tomorrow and say this doesn't exist. Yeah. That that would, and, and, and it would be, I mean, you would think that Merrick Garland would be stepping up to the podium. Yeah. To say this, 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 this. These allegations are false, untrue. This document does not exist. And leave it at that. And you would know that because if the document exists, now, number one, if they lie and say it doesn't exist. And then they're found to be lying about it. That's obstruction of justice. Well, And and there's there's Merrick Garland gone right there. Right. That would be, yeah. He's gone at that point. Well, here's, oh, so... <laughs> Never underestimate the ability of Joe Biden to f things up, because if you're going to fall on that proverbial sword, that's what you risk in a big way, regardless of who you are. So, depending on which agency we're talking about, where the whistleblower is, you know there is a different process in terms of being a whistleblower, and the CIA is different because of the nature of what they do. And it goes through the director's office. That's not the case with the FBI, but it does go. It would go around the director's office and 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 likely straight to Merrick Garland the, uh, and the IG. Well, somebody has that. It, it, what I'm trying to demonstrate is there are multiple people now involved if the whistleblower process has begun. Yes. And so if any of them lie, they've got to rely on everybody else telling the same lie throughout. Otherwise, it falls and they pay the price. Obstruction of justice is a crime. And if this document was created in February of 2020, Mm -hmm. think about that. February 2020, this document's been there. And so for three years, and if they know it's true, that's... The, you know, that may not be obstruction of justice, but it's a cover-up. Yeah. In yes. the FBI and the Department of Justice. Yes. No. That's the that's the next big thing. Who who's known about it all this time and did nothing about it? Eight six six ninety Red Eye. Surviving and thriving as an owner operator has just as much to do with managing costs as it does with generating revenue. Like the chief financial officer of any company, you have to be concerned about rising costs, especially without increases in revenue. Trying to reduce costs, let alone make sense of them, can be a complicated task. Understanding basic principles of operating costs can save you thousands of dollars a year. 
A penny saved could be $1,000 earned. Saving just one penny per mile over 100,000 miles driven annually will deliver $1,000 to the bottom line at the end of the year. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Hey, it's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. You know, politically, you wonder how this is going to affect the president. I think it, it will, uh, especially if the Department of Justice and uh, the FBI don't say anything about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, or, or if they deny it, because if they deny it and <laughs> the Republicans have a copy of this and they just haven't said that they have a copy of it, and this is just based on what Comer and Grassley were saying. Mm-hmm. No, we know, you know, we know this document exists and we know it's in the document. The document says these things. And you and I asked the question, well, then do they, have they actually seen it? And they just don't want to say that they've seen it to protect the whistleblower at this point in the process of him legally becoming a whistleblower, whatever that is. I've had my criticisms of uh, Chuck Grassley over the years, uh, but I tend to believe that if he's saying he knows it exists, I, I I would assume Comer would follow the same, but just given a history of how Chuck Grassley in, in his years of oversight has behaved, I would it would be very unlike him for him to make a claim that he knows it exists without actually knowing that for sure. But the political damage that could be done... Uh, you and I point to the Rasmussen uh, a poll that was done the other day of likely voters that uh, says Anthony Blinken, and the accusation is that he's the one that started, uh, was the impetus for the, uh, the, the quote there, for that word, of the actual letter that the 51 uh, intelligence officials wrote saying, you know, this has all the marks of... Uh, Russian intelligence, the Hunter Biden laptop story, even though we don't have any evidence that it does. Right. And 60% of Americans want him impeached, likely voters. Well, then this news has to be devastating to what is the uh, not much I heard of the the Biden campaign Mm -hmm. (laughs) so far. Yeah. Get a word in edgewise. Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. 
Toronto Radio, he's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. I guess my question is, uh, there's. I was reading an article about uh, uh, Biden's campaign, that they, don't, they only have a few people working on it right now. And the fundraising so far isn't that, that hot at all. We'll get to that story a little bit later on. But I guess my question is with this new allegation that Republicans are throwing out, that there's a new whistleblower that says the document has existed since February of 2020, uh, that the FBI and Department of Justice have, <clears throat> which shows the criminal scheme between Biden, then vice president, and a foreign national. Mm-hmm. And that it clearly lays out the basically the, what do you want to call it, pay-for-play, bribery scheme, uh, whatever, and they want that piece of paper. Uh, I've always believed that it's not his cognitive ability. They just, because they believe that they can, that he's been able to go in whatever liberal direction they wish him to go, for the most part. And so I don't think that really bothers them. I think this thing has been drip, 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 drip. And it's getting worse. And it got a lot worse yesterday with this allegation mm-hmm. of actual bribery. So it's not legal influence peddling, but it may be illegal influence peddling because this uh, apparent uh, document shows, has the information that shows money was exchanged for a particular policy decision. Right. Quid pro quo. Right. And I just wonder, the New York Post had the story that, you know, now uh, politicians and journalists now trying to say, okay, let's look, let's go over with a fine tooth comb, go over the, the vice president's schedule and what he was doing back then. What could this possibly be? And my question would be, when... Will the mainstream media say it's time to dump Biden? It's time to cut our losses. We don't need this going on. Influence peddling, they know it. Politicians evading taxes, politicians being involved in influence peddling. Yeah. Whether it is illegal or not is viewed by the public as corruption. Yeah. And you're not going to want to be a you know, complicit with that. If you think about that and and the way that the DOJ, especially on classified documents, stepped out in front of so much stuff along that, you know, entire ordeal, and we're still not done with it, and the idea that Blinken and the Attorney General are both willing, uh, apparently, to lie for this president, now you ask, How much longer can they do that? Because if evidence comes out, you know, there will be a a lot of questions about who knew about this incident, if it's true and accurate, and who did not take action on it knowing it was actionable and putting uh, quite possibly our national security at risk. We don't know what the quid pro quo was in in terms of any kind of policy decision and would that have been a future policy decision do they believe uh whoever this foreign entity was again if this is accurate 
that they believe, well, he quite possibly is going to be the next president, and we want to set that up uh, to go that in that direction. And so you look at, you know, this now, and you're like, you know, when, and, that, and that's my question. When will, for example, the New York Times and Washington Post say, okay, it's time to cut this guy loose, let's start doing our investigation. And the fact that the New York Post came out and said the two different sources, you know, basically know who the whistleblower is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, if they know who the whistleblower is, that's our question. Do they know that the document, now they claim the document exists and it says what it says. And we're like, well, how do they know that? Are they just taking the whistleblower's word? Or have they actually seen the document from from the whistleblower? You know, has, he, has the whistleblower actually shown them a copy of the document? They don't have it, but he, they showed it to him and then took it back. I don't know. I mean, you just don't know. But they seemed awfully sure that this document actually uh, exists. So when will the mainstream media say, okay, enough, we've got to go with someone else? I thought it was a month ago when the whistleblowers started coming out. When McCormick came out and said, well, I was on the plane, I saw the criminal wrongdoing. Yeah, right. You know, and the discussion on it right there. Right. And then you had the IRS whistleblower come out. And I thought that at that point, when you saw that uh, Gavin Newsom was doing his, remember his tour uh, to show red states how they need to be blue states. Uh-huh. We went, well, that's pretty weak. And we just went, wow, he's campaigning again. Right. He's campaigning. There's no reason for him to do that as governor of California. Right. So he's he's campaigning again. And I thought at that point, I said, you know, that may be the, and I was wrong because I said, I just had a gut feeling that, that's why I don't make predictions. I had a gut feeling that Biden might not run because the Democrats are so worried about the influence peddling story, which again isn't going to go away. They can say whatever they want. Well, there's nothing there. Oh, no, there's a lot there. And that's the millions of dollars that flow to the Biden family. And Americans are saying, why? Right. What service did you provide? Mm-hmm. Well, there is no service that they provided. There's only one service they could provide, and that's influence peddling. They got Biden to do something, and that's what influence peddling is about. They got Biden to do something that they wanted him to do that benefited them, and therefore he was paid off for it. Well, there comes to a point where it's like, okay, we just can't deal with this anymore. We need uh, a year and, you know, almost a year and a half out. We need to get a new candidate in there. We can do it now. And so the quicker that Biden is destroyed, because he's useless to us now, if, if there's looks, evidence of a quid pro quo, it's over. It's over right at that point, right, yeah. But is the thought process in their head now that this is just, you know, with now three whistleblowers. Well, McCormick technically isn't a whistleblower. Right, yeah. So the IRS guy is a is a, is a a whistleblower. Mm-hmm. So you basically have, you basically have those two plus McCormick and... I guess he is a whistleblower, but he's not a secret. It, you know, he right. came forward and said right. no, not officially a whistleblower, right? Not officially, but you right. have that, and then you've got all of the, all of Hunter Biden's former uh, partners, right? Business associates who are willing to testify against him, including at least two that will say Joe Biden is the guy. You know, he's the big guy. He got ten percent, or he got whatever. 
You know, and and I got to be honest, I didn't see this coming. If, if it is true, if they if they have evidence of, of a quid pro quo, I didn't see this happening this soon. I didn't know what to expect because we've been saying all along, I don't know if it is anything criminal in nature. They're going to, you know, we're going to have to go through the process here of, of uh, bringing all of this to the surface. Then that's the point. And I thought, at the very least, we'll get to the bottom of it in terms of politically what people believe is wrong. Influence peddling. You may not get to the point of proving a crime, but if you get this, if you've got solid evidence of a quid pro quo, it is over. Yeah. It's over at that point. If if that's the case, um, you can't defend him. There is no political defense of the president, and you the Democrats would want him to resign uh, before he before the yeah. House before pro- it brings the whole party down before the House would impeach. Yeah. And then what? The Senate wouldn't convict. Well, here's the thing, and and yeah, and, right. and at yeah. that point, then everybody is in because if if we find out this document exists, then the public's perception is corruption not only from the president but the cover up to protect the president because this document has existed yeah. since February of 2020. Right, right. Wow. And you know, I can see a Merrick Garland saying, "Well, I wasn't aware that this document existed." In other words, trying to cover his own backside. I guess Director Ray could do the same. But Director Ray has been in his position longer. That's going to be harder to believe. Yeah. Again, depending on where this document is coming from. And so the point is, is that when you start seeing people in the position of defending themselves and not the president, you'll know. That's why it's important, as you brought it up earlier, to note that so far nobody's come out and said, these allegations are false. We might see it. Maybe today right. or tomorrow. Maybe Mayor Garland or someone else steps up and says, these allegations are false. There is no such document. The media reports are untrue. And if they do that, then, the, you know, I don't know where it goes. Because we also pointed to that and said, if they do that and the document does exist, they go down with it. And you don't want to go down for Joe Biden if you believe he's going down anyway. That will be the tell. The tell will be at those levels how they are are going to behave, whether it's the FBI, CIA director, uh, the attorney general, whoever it's going to be, depending on where that document is, if it exists. And then beyond that, how members of his party are are behaving. Because that's the next thing you would hear. This is a, you could hear uh, Schumer coming out. Oh, this is false. This is not true. This is, this is all made up. Uh, You know, then throw New York, the New York Post under the bus and, you know, nobody believes, you know, 
the New York Post and blah, 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 blah. It's, it doesn't exist. But if you believe, and Schumer will know, he probably knows now, then you don't touch it. You don't say one, you don't say a thing one way or the other. Now, Schumer could still lie and still get away with it because he wouldn't be responsible necessarily for the cover up. Mm-hmm. It would just be a political fallout. There wouldn't, there may not be a, an obstruction of justice that you could bring for someone like him, like you could a. Well, director. no, he's, he's not involved in it at all. That's that's what I mean. Yeah. Is that he could still lie, right? But will he is the question. Right. If his party, if the president's party, kind of turns their, you know, they they close their door and draw their shades, then that's the tell. That's going to be the first tell. That nobody's stepping out in front of this. Remember the laptop story. By now, I mean they were they already had the New York. I know Twitter is different now, but they already they were already in shutdown mode. Well, this is different. The laptop store owner was not a member of the intelligence community. The laptop store owner was just a guy who was happened to have something fall in his lap. Mm -hmm. And now you've got, if it's an official whistleblower and they have the goods, this changes everything. It is over. It's over. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Coming up on the top of uh, the, uh, the hour, the Fed raises another quarter point. And now the question is, are they done? And the next question is, if they're done, does that mean they're willing to accept stagflation? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that would be the question. because uh, there's I haven't a- seen anyone who, uh, you know, believes that they might go higher by the end of the year. You know, um, and I haven't seen even one analyst that believes that they're going to go to a, you know, six and a quarter, six and a half percent target rate, which most people believe that's what you would have to do to get on top of an inflation in a real way. I, I've never believed they really want to do that. I think if anything, there's going to be more talk. I think at, at least politically about reversing, which is ludicrous. Because my question would be, then why all this? You know, it's it's always this balancing act for any Fed chair that they think that they can do. The fact of the matter is, right now it's not working. Stagflation is damaging families all over America. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. 
It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, 86690 Red Eye. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Hi. Thursday, right? <laughs> I'm losing track. <laughs> as far as you know, yes. One show just runs into the next. It's it's like we, we don't do separate shows. It's just different segments every day. It's like we, we take a rest and we come back and it just continues. Uh, yeah, we were uh, our new band, the Whistleblower Bombshells. Um, they have been rehearsing. I like that. Yeah, yeah. The Whistleblower Bombshells. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be I like that. Intel Metal. <laughs> I like that too. Isn't yeah, it? new genre. Wow. Mm-hmm. Does that mean intelligence in metal? Our uh, our new album, I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. Will be out <laughs> in June. I like that. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Before we, uh, I can say before we get to something else. Well, we're always doing something before we get to something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I want to play this audio cut because. Not that we're going to spend a lot of time talking on it, but it was uh, this uh, uh, speech from the student, very short, less than a minute, at uh, the uh, Riverside in Riverside, California. Mm. She's a senior at Martin Luther King uh, High School in Riverside, California. Denounced her school board for permitting biological men to enter a women's locker room after videos went viral uh, showing uh, the trans-identifying male. Uh, in the locker room with female students, uh, as another student uh, said, uh, the, the this uh, student spit on my friends that are girls, females. He shows his genitals in the locker room, said uh, another student there at uh, Riverside. This uh, young woman, is her name is Megan Simpkins, and uh, she spoke at the school board meeting recently. And this has gone viral over the last 24 hours. Here we go. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, and only ladies and gentlemen it is and shall always be. I am an 18-year-old high school student and wanted to take this time to bring to your attention the current issue with biological men claiming they are women and in turn truly believing that they are entitled to use women's spaces. There was an incident within our district that occurred recently regarding a transgender woman who really is a biological man having an altercation with a young woman at MLK High School. It was infuriating when I had seen the video on social media, but what was detrimental to this is the fact that this man is and has been using the women's restroom and locker room. Firstly, the question we must address is why are we affirming the mental confusion of this boy and putting the safety of women in jeopardy by allowing mentally confused men to use the women's spaces? Of course, any male who claims he is a woman will accept it, but what about the women? What about the true girls like myself who are female down to our DNA? Why don't we ever get a say in whether or not we are comfortable with this? The truth is we aren't. The majority of us aren't, and yet nothing has been done to protect the safety of these women. I will conclude with this. It all starts with you. You are in charge of the safety of us women and our and the parent and the kids of our parents. So please do something about it. Thank you. What you can hear is a lot of women cheering. A lot of yep. young women cheering. Yep. Those were young women cheering. 
And this is in Riverside, California. This mm-hmm. is in California. Right. And so, well, you go back to it. To see one it. of our first discussions, remember, was yeah. out of a school from uh, a school out of California. Yep. And it was a bathroom incident. And the child was being called a bigot. Eight-year-old child, I believe it was. I eight believe, or nine yes. Year old, I, like it that. was yeah. grade school, so yeah. I, I think it yep. was eight or nine. And, wow. Um, I'm glad that she was, this student here was standing up. I'm glad that she also had support. If you're seeing that in Riverside, you're going to see that. You could see that anywhere. And I think you're, you're, you know, we, we can, we talked about it. You're seeing now the uprising. You're seeing the line drawn. This is... Because this was never about acceptance. And, you know, this, we asked from the beginning, well, the transgender student isn't comfortable being in the male locker room. So then all of the girls in the girls' locker room should be made uncomfortable for one person. No. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And the intimidation factor has been real. The mob has been very active in this regard. But you have more and more, not just women. You have members of the uh, the gay community coming out saying, we don't want to be a part of this. This is not our fight. And... You know, I'm glad it's happening. I'm glad it's happening. Because we have to have the real conversation. Number one, about the mental health of any of these children. We have to have the conversation about the DOJ legally going to war with states over genital mutilation surgery. Man, I'm so glad that that is in the courts. I hope my confidence isn't shattered because right now I'm confident that we'll win this in the courts, that the state of Tennessee will win. But I could be wrong. But this is, you know, you you talk about the consensus. You talk about the entire um, pulse of Americans, when you measure it, it's very clear, very clear. They don't want this. You want to be a transgender, fine. If you're an adult, you make your own decisions. But we built protections for women in sports for a reason. And the fact that we're at this place having to fight all over again for those same protections is insane. It really is. I mean, that's that's the thing. It, it it is it is truly insane. And and by the way, you know, when you think about it, the whole uh, the, this is something that the whole as we talked about yesterday, the uh, the Supreme Court looking at uh, the Chevron decision mm. 
That's also going to affect things like what we just see now yes. in, right. in Title IX. Title right. IX was for biological women. Right. Congress did not change it and say, no, it includes transgender. Right. That's the interpretation from what started with the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. this is our interpretation of it now. Right. And the Chevron decision will blow that out. Of, if, if, they, if they overturn the Chevron decision, mm-hmm. that'll blow out of the water. And eventually, when that comes to the Supreme Court anyway, it will blow yeah. out of the water. Yeah. Congress never dictated ever that biological males should be using biological uh, 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 female restrooms. Right. Congress never said that biological men should be competing against biological women. Well, because In they- fact, Title IX was put into existence to ensure that women had a place in sports. Right. In school sports. Right. No, I think you're right on that. If we see um, uh, this Chevron Doctrine decision come down the way we sh- we believe it should, it, first of all, it will undermine their entire uh, agenda from, from top to bottom. I mean, it's going to be so many things will fall because no administration will then be able to grossly misinterpret any of these laws. But you get back to... The idea of define a woman, right? Yeah. And they, through the administration, have redefined, well, you don't get to do that. And that's why that Chevron doctrine case is so important and I think has enormous potential, if it goes right, to undo this agenda of creating law administratively. You don't get to do that. If Congress says, here are the terms, if Congress wants to go back for Title IX and redefine what a woman is, let's have that debate on the floor today. Oh, yeah. That's where the debate should be. Yep. I want Democrats to say that a woman is a biological man yes. on the House uh, on the House floor. Well, we know Senate how they floor. voted so far, right. so let's have that debate and then go in and change Title IX yourselves, right. redefine it on that floor. And you know when we were uh, uh, talking about the uh, the, uh, the the case, and and this is a just so people know, we'll just briefly go over it. We did it in more detail yesterday, but uh, the case, uh, the Chevron case. Uh, is what set the legal precedent that a court should defer to the agency's answer or interpretation of a particular law, holding that judicial deference is appropriate where the agency's answer was not unreasonable. So what they're saying is, if a law, if if a law, for example, if uh, a law like Title IX exists that was passed by Congress and is there to protect biological females, but when you passed it, you simply said, this is to protect women. Mm-hmm. Well, the Obama administration came in and said, well, no, it's for transgender men, too. Biological men fit the definition of women because that's what we now believe. Mm-hmm. And the Chevron decision would say, well, that's reasonable. They say that's a reasonable opinion because uh, thought processes have changed and now there is a small minority that run the government that believe yeah. that a biological male can be a biological female because right. they say so. Right. And that's reasonable. 
and therefore uh, they can change a law like that. Right. Getting rid of the Chevron decision would simply say, would simply say, well, no, you can't, you can't do that. You now you can do it if the government wishes biological males to compete with biological females in schools, and they're willing to say, if you don't allow that. We will remove federal funds. If Congress passes it, then it becomes a law. Exactly. But Congress didn't pass it, and that's what it's about. And the case with the Supreme Court right now is uh, is uh, uh, a law that was passed uh, for fishermen, for mm-hmm. fishing boats, mm-hmm. where the, the uh, government said, uh, where Congress said, you can have people monitor, you know, government people can go on these boats and monitor to make sure that the the fishing boats are doing the right thing, that they're abiding by all the the regulations. Mm -hmm. And that's all the law said. Well, Congress, or not Congress, but the federal government came in and said, well, these fishing boats have to pay for those monitors. And the fishing industry has said, that's not in the law. The law simply, and they said, well, and and it was funny because even the judge, the last judge in the appeals court said, no, it's not in the law, but we believe it's reasonable for them to do this, you know, because of the Chevron decision, it's reasonable to say, okay, these fishing uh, boats must pay for these monitors when Congress never dictated it. Right. And it's like, well, no, you can't charge fees to someone because the bureaucracy says you should. If Congress, Congress wants has- to, uh, uh, if they want to impose a funding mechanism and say it's going to be a fee a licensing fee or a tax or whatever yep. on those fisheries, then fine. They can do Good. that. But the administration came in and created their own funding mechanism uh, in order to enforce this law and or this rule, and you don't get to do that. No, you don't. And that's almost like the, the mayor of your town saying, okay, from now on, and I thought yeah. you brought up the perfect analogy yesterday. Mm. From now on, if the police visit your home. Right. If you uh, call the police, you've right. got to pay for them for the time that they're right. on your property. Right. Now, if the city council passes it, then it's fine. Mm-hmm. But if the mayor just says it's an executive order. Right. Well, no, because the people's representatives did not approve that. And you use the case of uh, the Coast Guard. The Coast Guard. The Coast Guard out there. They, just, they yeah. have authority to, to board your vessel. Oh, yep. And so if they board your vessel... Then, and imagine this, for the time that they're on there making an inspection, doing an inspection, which can take a long time, you've got to pay for the salaries, basically the cost of that entire event, you're going to have to pay that fee. Well, right. no, it doesn't work that way. Look, there well, if, com- Congress passed, if, if Congress passed, if Congress said it would, that it's, right. that's how it's going to be funded. But if the Coast Guard but did the it. Reason, and the reason they don't is because it's they know that politically... People wouldn't stand for that. Right. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Yes, so if they overturn uh, uh, Chevron, and we don't know whether they'll do that or not, or whether they'll just weaken uh, the Chevron uh, decision, uh, this uh, Supreme Court, I have a feeling just knowing what the Supreme Court did, for example, 
in uh, in West Virginia on the whole climate change uh, uh, thing and and carbon dioxide and coal and all that. Mm-hmm. I just have the and and on the vaccine mandate and on the um, oh the uh, well the other thing with the, eviction moratorium. The, the eviction moratorium. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. Uh, that that it's what they believe that they believe that the Chevron decision has perverted the Constitution where the executive branch can basically make law or temporary law or do the things that they wish to do, and Congress has never approved them doing it. Well, and in, in the damage here that's demonstrated by this one fishery that brought this case is, you know, to the tune of hundreds of dollars per day. And so, you know, that's the, that's the question. It's not just about the regulation, but, of course, the damage that the regulation even if it's temporary, even if the next administration can come in and undo it, it doesn't undo the damage. Right. And, my gosh, there are countless EPA cases where you could demonstrate that. Um, why that hasn't, you know, gotten to the point of challenging the uh, the Chevron Doctrine before now, I don't know. But we're here now, and we'll see where it goes. Oh. It would be hard for them to make a decision, any decision in this case, Without it setting a precedent, but you know I'm not a lawyer, so well. It, it's, we'll look, it, it puts Congress back to work doing what they're supposed to do, which is legislating. That's it, and then having the debate in public. Yes, where you have to, where it's not just a president doing something, <clears throat> but for example, you would need, and, and we've related the Chevron decision to Title Nine, mm-hmm. where uh, magically biological women became biological men right uh because obama said so yeah and that's just that's absurd i mean it's the most absurd thing you can think of and as you said no that debate should have been in congress yes. i want to hear democrats say a biological man can be a biological woman if they think they are right write it in the letter right. of the law right. and and debate it right. debate it publicly yep. and defend it mm-hmm. yep that's the way it should be done look you know when you look <clears throat> at the dodd case and what the supreme court said we can't define where life begins if the people's representatives want to do that they can take that on right and then you start getting into it and it's like okay well who wants to be the first now i know you know you've seen it back and forth with the you know well 15 weeks here or whatever it is but still it has to be debated on the floor well you're gonna have to have that discussion and then you're gonna have to fight for what you believe Let's have it out. Let's do that. Well, issues are hard. Yep. It should be difficult <laughs> right. to get to a decision. It should be difficult on on these things, by the way. We think it's it's not that difficult. It's just how far do you want to go if you're on the left politically yeah. with an issue like this of literally redefining a woman or leaving it open to interpretation, interpretation that someone can say that they belong to a protected group. They belong to a protected group simply by saying so. Well, then you've done away with protected groups. Listening to Red Eye Radio. 
from the Uniden America Studios. And he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Download our Red Eye Radio app today, and you can listen when and where you want if you can't listen live uh, overnight. I was telling the two uh, two great gentlemen who I met today, mm. and I can say older gentlemen, they were older than I. Than I really? Am. Yeah, they were in their mid-70s and oh. still golfing. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and uh, tell them about our app. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know. They knew they knew of us and everything yeah, else. Yeah, it's just yeah. said we're not just not up that you know, uh, just not up that late. Yeah, and I said I know, I know, and you, uh, you old codgers, you know, it's like we're not going to finish this round till like quarter to four. Should yeah. you be in bed or is wasn't dinner at three? <laughs> Shit, it. I mean, it's just crap. It was that, that's going to miss the early bird. <laughs> exactly. That's what that's what you do when you golf. You you harass people yeah. that you've never met before. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's the beauty about golfing. Yeah. But no, it was. Uh, I'm telling you, it was a beautiful day yesterday. Yeah, and, and no, it has been gorgeous here the past several days. Uh, Saturday was exceptional, man. I mean, we were sitting out in the backyard yesterday. I um, what was it uh, Tuesday? I did the lawn yesterday. I was just looking for a reason to be outside. I didn't have anything, you know, for my project. It's not going to uh, come until later this week. And I've got some more projects to do. But, of course, by the time it gets here, it's going to be, what, 93 degrees? Yeah. We're looking yeah. at this weekend. Yeah. So, I'll be, yeah. Hey, I'll start my swimming. And you yeah. know all the great ideas I come up with when I'm swimming. Yeah. Because yeah. you're pretty bored. It's like, okay, when are we going to do this show? How many more lengths I have? Oh, 150 more? Oh, man. Mm-hmm. How many more laps? But um, uh, but it was it was a great time. It was a beautiful day. And I have to say this because I've talked about the fact that I've been taking lessons since the beginning of February, hmm. and the and and I decided to take lessons because the biggest thing for me is I've always played sports. I always played basketball or hockey, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you know, I work out. I have to because I had bad sciatic nerve problems, and but I work out resistance training. You know, riding the bike. And now that swimming's coming along, I you know I I do that. But I hate working out for the sake of working out. There has to be another goal. And it's been the last couple of years golf, but I've just had, I've had uh, back muscle problems that just tense up like crazy. And I haven't been able to find a swing. And I found this teacher and he's just great. Mm. And, um, and the way he has me swinging, my back is wonderful. So I really, that was the number one reason I said, I want to take golf lessons is I want to be able to play with and, and, you know, be as strong, you know, on, on the 16th, 17th and 18th hole as I am when I tee off. Mm -hmm. And so, but he's really, he's changed my swing, not anything that's uncomfortable, but my goal was, and anybody who golfs knows this is a pretty decent goal. My goal was to be able to break 90 consistently on the golf course. Yeah. And I used to be, I got down, this is when I belonged to a club and played all the time. And when I learned to hate golf, because when, once you pay the, monthly dues you feel like you have to play mm-hmm. and i mean i hated golf as i've said i had i had my i got down to a seven handicap which means i could hit 78 79 you know whatever i was around that that point and but i couldn't get better mm-hmm. and i had the rage as i like to say the rage of a serial killer directed at myself because i couldn't hit a ball with a stick i mean there was rage mm-hmm. i really thought at that moment 
You know, and some of those moments I said, is there something mentally wrong with me? It isn't normal to be this competitive with yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I realize probably having that in me is a is a good thing if it doesn't get out of control because it's a very competitive world that we live in. And so mm-hmm. it's good to have that expectation that you need to, you know, be quality, you know, have a ton of quality, even if it's just hitting a ball with a stick. Mm-hmm. But my goal was to break. 90 consistently, which means 85 to 90, which is still playing really good golf. And I was hoping that in the next year I could break 80, you know, and get into the 70s again. I shot a 79 yesterday. Hmm. And uh, and I had a, to get there, I had a par, I had a, uh, I had a either par 17 uh, or 18 and, and birdie the other one. I needed birdie par or par birdie out to do it. And I parred the 17th and then. I hit a 25-foot putt, a breaking putt, a big breaking left-to-right putt yeah. to, from 25 feet out to hit 79. So that was it was great. I mean, and the day was so great. And the best part about it is, and anybody who plays golf, I hope you've gotten to this point, I didn't care about the score. Mm. All I cared about was going through, and the lessons have really helped me go through the process of, you know, when you're going to hit the ball. You ever, you ever see the legend of, of Bagger Vance? Mm-hmm. Remember when they show when they show you know when when he points out Will Smith points out and says you know watch him watch Bobby Jones mm-hmm. and there's like this like just this calmness and where he just looked and then he hits the ball perfectly now mm-hmm. I'm I'm not trying to compare myself to Bobby Jones I want to make that clear mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but uh, it was just that the calm focus it's not an intense focus there's a calmness and I had that. After I got past the second hole, because I started out double bogey, bogey, and I'm like, well, okay, don't get angry. I'm not going to get angry. I know everything with my lessons. It's a process over the next couple of years. Yeah, and that's how I approached it. Then the next hole, I birdied, and it was I was on my way. And it was uh, there was just a calm focus, which is incredibly satisfying. I could have been doing. It could have been. I don't. If I was doing another activity and got that same feeling, it would still be great. But for some reason, golf puts you into that zone. And when you get into that zone, and it's a very rare thing, and for me to be out really for the first time since I've had this swing, and I've only golfed five times in the last year and a half Mm -hmm. because of my back problems, and there's no back problems anymore. But having that type of content focus where it's just coming naturally and you hit it. I never got really too excited or too angry. Even when I hit the putt at the end, I was like, all right, yeah, you know, I did it. You know, but it was, I was, didn't jump up and down. It was like, yeah, all right, okay. And mm-hmm. Guys, nice playing with you. And, I, and I'm walking off, and I look at the, the one gentleman I was playing with, and I said, that feels real good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that was, uh, it was a really, it was a great day yesterday. I have one scorecard framed, um, a 69, but the problem is it was in bowling. <laughs> Well, I never was much of a bowler. I think I don't. I think I had 120 once, mm-hmm. and all my. I'm from Buffalo. I mean, bowling's like the national pastime up there. My daughter, like Milwaukee. My daughter crushes it. Uh, uh, for those that don't know, I have a special needs daughter, special Olympian, and that was one of her games. Bowling, really? Bowling. I don't know that. Yeah. So her siblings didn't know it either. So one night, <laughs> they invited me and my wife and, of course, my daughter uh, to come out with some of their friends, 
All right, so they're all older than she is. She's the youngest. And they said, okay, uh, come on out. And, um, you know, and, and it's perfect because she can bowl. We need one more person for this team. Crushed it. I mean crushed it. Every that We had, uh, I think we had three lanes working. And then probably this was into her third or fourth frame, maybe. Everything, all the attention then just went over to her. She comes over to me. She goes, I'm getting nervous. Everybody's looking at me. I said, no, just go do what you do. She crushed it. She's so good. I never got bowling down. And and now my back doesn't move that way. <laughs> it's not, oh, you know, no, as you, as you yeah. walk, because yeah. you're walking and you're stooping at the same time. Yeah. I can do one of, one of the two. I can walk. I can stoop. I can't walk and stoop. But no, the way that you're, you know, that you're doing it, and she's got it down. That's the one thing that if if she learns something, she's going to, it's going to be by the book. And she learned that technique, and and wow, she's she's really good. Yeah, you know, I'm amazed. I never really had an interest in bowling. I mean, I did it when I was younger, but I wasn't any good. But uh, we had the six bowling alleys yeah. in in the the building on our church grounds, on mm-hmm. our Catholic church grounds. And it's funny because when I bring it up, whenever I bring this up, somebody, especially from like the upper Midwest, you know, yeah. Wisconsin or something, will say, "You had a bowling alley in your church too." Yeah, we had a bowling alley and bar right <laughs> right there in the Catholic church, and my uncle was the manager. Yeah, my uncle Norm was the manager, and so we'd go in there and. You know, he'd give us free beers when we were nine. I'm kidding. Uh, no, I mean, soft <laughs> drinks, whatever, and there would be games. You're kidding. But, you had to pay for them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> no, but we, when they're, you know, have soft drinks, and yeah. every Friday, you know, it was like bowling league night, and it was yeah. mobbed with people, yeah. and they were all parishioners. Right. And, yeah. you know, I remember thinking to myself, oh, a bowling alley in a bar in a church. And I remember somebody was having the discussion, because we used to have our Boy Scout meetings in the room right there, and so... We'd walk into the bowling alley and it'd be, man, I'll tell you this. I remember the smoke smell. Yeah. Everybody smoked back then. Uh, yeah. But it yeah. was, uh, you know, and uh, but uh, I remember the priest said, he goes, well, if people are going to go out and have a good time, mm. why not on church grounds? Yeah, why not? And I went, right. that's a great point. Okay. That's yeah. a great point. All right. No, where, I mean, right. you know, if you're, if you're going to get their attention, why not have them in-house, right? Yeah. And the priest would come down, and when people were yeah. bowling, they'd come visit, they'd sit the bar, get a soft drink, maybe even a beer or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it was, mm-hmm. you know, nobody, I don't remember anybody really being drunk. Right. And I yeah. don't think they had alcohol. I think it was just, I think it was just beer. Mm. Right. Uh, yeah. But uh, that would make sense. But the, the alleys were there and I just never, I never, you know, I, I liked, I was always uh, completely obsessed with the mechanics of the pin setter. When the modern, you know, the modern pin setters. Yeah. yeah I just yeah. thought that was the coolest thing ever. How- no, that was, if I had a friend whose older brother worked back there, and it was like he worked for the CIA or something. It's like, yeah. oh, man, he gets to see everything, yeah. behind, how it all works and the whole thing. That, that yeah. to me, when I was a kid, I just, that that's what fascinated me. Yeah, yeah. But I think when I, whenever I watch bowling, you know, and if it's on TV, I'll watch it because... Now they've got, you know, with high definition, the cameras are perfect. The lanes are shiny. The balls, are they got lights all over the place. I mean, they've learned uh, on the professional bowling tour how to make it seem very exciting. 
but how they make that ball curve. Yeah. You know how they throw it, you think it's going to go in the gutter, and then it comes around? Mm-hmm. I have no idea how they do that. I I wish, not that, like I said, not that I would spend the time and effort to do that, but, man, I wish I could do that once. Just throw yeah, a ball down, right. the curveball, and it comes all the way around, and you get a strike. My brother-in-law has uh, a few um, perfect score rings. Wow. And... Wow. He's in his mid seventies now. I don't know how much he participates. He still bowls, but I don't know competitively what what he does. Um, my daughter kind of aged out of it because in the later years in, in Special Olympics, it really was more about track and field, mm-hmm. and and she kind of aged out of it. Still loves to do it when we get a chance, but watching anybody do it well is is to me, you know, great. I I just never. I, I I'm sure I could have worked on it. It just it just didn't come to me, you know. And my brother-in-law is a natural. My daughter too, just a natural at it. And funny is, a lot of my friends, my real close friends, they all did the bowling, and I don't know yeah. why. I, yeah. I never figured out why. Why didn't I go along with them yeah. all? Because they were all bowlers, and no. I just never didn't have the interest. All the guys I grew up with, yeah. golf. I don't golf. There are two of us in the group that have known each other since third, fourth grade that we still uh, keep in touch daily. And they golf. In fact, one was a golf pro. He worked at golf courses for years. So he's really good. But no, I never picked it up. Well, as I Probably because I know that it would be like guitar. For me, it would, I would just be obsessed and, and I probably would oh, never, it, you know. I'm I'm addicted right. I mean, yeah. I'm back to being addicted right now, and my mental state is a lot better than it was for golf than it was 15 years ago, where I had yeah. same, again the rage of a serial killer directed at myself yeah. because I couldn't hit a ball with a stick, right? <laughs> yeah, because right. that's basically what it is. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be a good year. As as I told my my uh, golf instructor, he goes, "Well, why do you really want to? Why do you really want to do it?" And he says, "And why do you think that you know you can be good?" And I said. Because Trump still golfs. <laughs> that's what I said. If he's he, got the time to golf. And, and he burst out laughing. He thought that was the funniest thing ever. Yeah. I said, I have hope for me for the next 10 years that I can be a good golfer. Because Trump can do it and he's big. No, that's, that's you know, true. And, yeah, that, yeah, and yeah. I know the stress yeah. it can have. So if I can find the swing, right. it won't hurt my back. If Trump can do it, why can't I continue to golf right. exactly. for another 10 years? Right. So Exactly. <laughs> he, just, he just shook his head going, all right. There you I, go. I didn't expect that answer. Yeah. 866-90-RED-EYE. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Coming up following the uh, top of the hour, do Americans prefer the old workplace or the new woke place? Really interesting polling that was done on this, and this is what we talked last week about what gives us hope for the future for the conservative mindset, and this all relates to it. Coming up.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around this planet, Earth, <laughs> just in case you weren't sure, he's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. All right, you ready? I'm ready. I, you know, we had talked last week, and we, we spent a lot of time on it, actually, talking about the future of the conservative movement, the Republican mm-hmm. Party or whatever, and said, you know, take the 2024 election out of it and take Trump out of it and take uh, Biden out of it and take mm-hmm. the current leadership of of uh, uh, Congress out on it because they're probably all not going to be around uh, in the political arena in another six seven eight years right they're 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 done they're gone yeah and so it's the movement what happens to the movement and we've talked about that when you look at all the polling on all the issues out there so make it issue only take the parties out of it except which party relates to what particular issue and when we talk about the top issues of this country when you look at the budget when you look at uh uh energy Mm. Uh, production yeah. when you look at the border when you look at things like the cultural issues of critical race theory mm. the the liberal radical transgender activist movement so what are we up to five there six whatever throw uh, i don't know throw something else in <laughs> but all those issues and we talk about this that the Biden administration lies about what's going on with these issues and many times where they stand mm-hmm and, for example, we see what's going on at the border right now. Biden's trying to ride that tightrope. Okay, I'm going to send military down there. The Republicans will be pleased. Uh, and uh, the the people of the country will say, okay, he is actually trying to do something about border security. And what happens is everybody knows <laughs> it's a show. And the Republicans say, well, no, you're actually just, they're not, you're not, the military people aren't going to be guarding the border. They're going to be doing paperwork. They're going to be helping people come across. Right. That's that's what the Republicans and the Democrats. I was Menendez was out there. Uh, Alan Omar was uh, out there yesterday saying, "You're you're doing what Trump the <laughs> military on the border is wrong. Yeah, it's wrong. Yeah. It's wrong." And so it's like, yeah. okay, but that's because he's been disingenuous from the border from the start, mm-hmm. and everybody knows it. And the mm-hmm. people that he put. Uh, in uh, the bureaucracy, everybody knows is lying. Everybody knows Mayorkas is a liar. He's a pathological liar. Everybody, any Democrat right now, if you've seen Mayorkas, when he said the border is secure, you know you laughed. Yeah. And so there's a reason that they have to lie in all the issues out there. When they say, for example, we can run the grid on solar and wind, anybody that has basic knowledge of electricity, anybody knows that's a load of horse manure. That can't happen. Uh, and so, you know, you look at, uh, the, the, the budget, everybody knows, as I said, people want what they want today, but everybody knows this isn't sustainable. Everyone, there isn't anybody that believes that the budget, we can continue to spend this kind of money and it won't have an effect. Now, the bonus in a negative way is the fact that the American public now knows that this type of spending and borrowing 
causes the inflation, and anything the government has done to help them is not as great as what they have lost because of inflation. Mm -hmm. And so on every single issue out there, every major issue out there, where the Republicans stand is actually where the people of the United States stand. The conservative mindset, and I think uh, just very quickly here, uh, I was looking at another article, but I think that uh, Michael Barone, who I've been following since I was in college, I believe when he was in U.S. News and World Report, and I've always thought he's been just wonderful in um, in uh, in actually uh, uh, analyzing uh, where the people are. And he had a column, is a Republican Party uh, growing stronger? He goes, Republicans aren't disappearing and may even be growing stronger. And uh, I agree with him on that, especially long term. The, the, the reason right now that the Republicans are not viewed as favorably as they should be is based, I believe, on lies, you know, that the pounding every day that they're racist, 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 racist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the personality of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Not even the substance of where Trump stands on most issues, because as we pointed out, uh, I think it was Wall Street Journal pointed out the other day about the, um, was it the Chevy, the, uh, the Lordstown plant? for the uh, building Chevy EVs. Yeah. He goes, Trump was about, you know, he was behind that because people forget Trump was promoting electric vehicles like crazy in 2016 mm-hmm. and wanted subsidies and everything else. Mm-hmm. My point is, I mean, I, I would be critical of that, but that's not the, where this discussion is at at the moment. The discussion is the fact that on most issues, he is mainstream and even holds leftist positions and always has. Mm-hmm. And, and so he would be viewed by most of the country as a moderate. There is nothing that is outrageous of where Donald Trump stands on the actual issues. Right. And so when you look at that, you say, well, yeah, um, you know, it seems because the minority is so loud at times and the, as we call it, the blue wave tsunami of intimidation was so strong over the last couple of years that I believe we have we have a at times you can have a distorted view of where America actually is and because also the Democrats have been so successful in demonizing and this is one example right here and this is the poll that was done by the uh, tip polling on do Americans prefer a new woke place or the old workplace hmm uh, and so this latest polling was uh, uh, done March 29th through the 31st, margin of error 2.8%. Uh, uh, and they say if this was an election on these issues of what Americans want to see in the workplace, uh, it'd be an absolute landslide, absolute landslide numbers. Only 9% thought that political belief was important when it came to whether people should advance or not. Let me just start from the beginning here. American businesses and higher education institutions have been swept up in diversity, equity, and inclusion trend, which bases hiring, pay, and promotion decisions on such things as political beliefs, gender, race, and sexual orientation. Do most Americans support this trend? The answer is a resounding no. And probably almost everybody in every large corporation have seen this in their diversity training. Where you look at it, and I and I I actually believe, and I think this 
poll may back it up. I think the diversity training being done in so many of these large corporations is actually turning people against it. Yeah. I think it's having the opposite effect of what the liberals in in human resources believe it's actually going to have. And it says, looking at recent historic shifts among American commercial and educational institutions when it comes to employment promotion and pay practices, the latest tip poll asked Americans which of the following factors are important when it comes to hiring, raises, and promotions in the workplace. The list for rewarding employees included political belief, race, gender, political orientation, which together comprise some of the essential elements of the workplaces and the schools that operate under the progressive ideas of diversity, equity, and inclusion. But the other possibilities listed were employment practices still found in some, but not all, modern American workplaces and schools. These included judging employees on the quality of work, productivity and performance, and attitude towards work. Hmm. Uh, Respondents were encouraged to select all the responses they thought were important, so the numbers reflect relative support, not absolute support, and don't total 100%. So, what did voters say? Voters showed a cleared and decisive Three to one preference overall for the tried and true over the trendy and untested when it came to workplace practices. The group polled responses that corresponded to the DEI woke workplace, including political belief, gender, race, and sexual orientation, gathered just 26% support uh, on, on, on net. Those including the more traditional quality, productive, productivity, and attitude won a whopping 89% support. Only 9% thought when you broke down, only 9% thought political belief was important. Hmm. Gender, 15%. Race, 15%. Sexual orientation, 12%. That's it. Meanwhile, support for quality of work, 79%. Productivity and performance, 69%. Attitude towards work, 60%. But overall, Americans uh, favor merit-based employment decisions in the workplace over identity-based factors, 89% to 26%. We asked the identical... I'm reading from what they wrote, okay? Not When I say we, I don't include me. Uh, They asked the identical question about higher education the source of huge social changes now sweeping America. Not not surprisingly, the answers for higher education closely track those of the workplace. Only 27% called political belief, gender, race, and sexual orientation factors important, while 89% favored quality, production, and attitude. So there you go. And you know and you know why that is? Because most people don't walk around like the left judging everything by those factors, by political belief. Most people probably get in the workplace. This is what I I'm not saying all, but I believe most people get in the workplace and they want to get the job done. They want to get the job done, they want to go home, they want to be productive. 
They want to see if they can get that bonus next time. And that's what unites a lot of people together is that belief that we can we can both create, we can all create wealth for ourselves, and that's the ultimate goal. It's not about race. It's not about political belief. It's not about uh, gender or sexual orientation for most people. Right. They don't care. It's they, the activists that introduced that into the workplace right. in a big way. Now, I'm not saying there weren't problems, you know, in, in workplaces. They are, there are unique problems in, in any given setting. Well, sure there are. But you're not seeing it to the extent that the activists want you to believe that it's happening. Right. If if you were to look at that, just the stories that activists basically push to the top. And that's how you believe the world worked. And you didn't go out, let's say you weren't working, you were staying at home, and you only read those stories you might be afraid at some point. You might be afraid to leave the house. Because the activists push everything to the top in the news. And they make it basically the topic of conversation. And we've said this I don't know how many times. In our everyday lives, people go out, they get along. And the biggest reason is, is because it's so much easier to get along. It's so much easier and more pleasant to get along. Mm -hmm. And you want that. You want not only that type of friendship at work, you want that type of ally at work. In order to, again, everybody working toward that same goal. Getting the job done. Showing what you know. Demonstrating that you can do the job and becoming viable or maintaining your viability in the workplace it's that simple you take the noise out of it and so much of this goes away for these activists who just want you to believe that that's the only thing happening the real world isn't like that you know it's interesting talking to people who aren't on social media <laughs> and how the mindset changes how it's vastly different and also the attitude of how they might present something in a conversation their tone is completely different there isn't that built-in tension because it's built up the activists the the loudest are the voices, which are not the majority, do that. That's where the anxiety comes from, is believing that you better take a position. You better be active in this. You better be doing this. Or what? In an age where the mob rules, when you turn off the mob, you realize, oh, Everything's fine. We yeah, get along. Yeah, they're not the majority. They're just the loudest. Exactly. And the most intimidating. That's their entire goal, to intimidate you to be loud yourself. 866-90-RED-EYE. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller. 
and I'm here to share a tip on compliance, safety, accountability. To determine a driver's compliance, safety, accountability, or CSA score, safety event data is recorded and compared against that of other drivers. Drivers are given a CSA score, but unlike motor carrier scores, driver scores are only visible to enforcement officers during an audit. However, drivers' most recent five years of crash data and three years of roadside inspection data is made available to potential employers via the pre-employment screening program. So it's a good idea for drivers to review their online PSP record from time to time. A request for data review can be submitted via data queues to have errors corrected or to have a non-preventable crash designation indicated for a crash. In the event a current or previous carrier is audited, Records on drivers with high CSA scores will be targeted first, but individual drivers are not subject to CSA interventions like motor carriers. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED. I just love this article from CNBC. Leaders of the United Auto Workers are withholding a, re- a re-election endorsement for President Joe Biden until the union's concerns about the auto industry's transition to all-electric vehicles uh, are addressed, uh, said uh, the uh, in a letter the UAW President Sean Fain to union staff. Fain, who was elected union president in March, so the UAW wants a just transition for workers. He argues that it is not uh, uh, that is currently not the case for automakers, uh, as they invest billions of dollars with the support of taxpayer dollars to move from traditional vehicles to EVs. He said the federal government is pouring billions into electric vehicle transition with no strings attached and no commitment to workers. Fain said in the message untamed by CNBC, the EV transition is a serious risk of becoming a race to the bottom. We want to see national leadership have our back on this before we make any commitments. Now, he doesn't explain in detail what the heck that means, but this gives you an indication of how the UAW keeps doing the wrong thing and electing the wrong leaders time in and time out. Uh, in the Tuesday letter, Fain said another Donald Trump presidency would be a disaster, citing the need for the union to get our members organized behind a pro-worker, pro-climate and pro-democracy political program that can deliver for the working class. I'm sorry, that's the Democrats? Yeah. <laughs> and that's the... But but pro, pro-worker, pro pro-climate. You mean like, yeah. like uh, destroying uh, pipe workers, union pipe workers' jobs mm-hmm. and telling them to go to learn to code? Right. And... and destroying their jobs for no reason at all except the delusion of climate change by the way your climate means less manufacturing yes your your president is telling you that pro climate is pro worker and yeah. pro union worker right wow
Gary McNamara and Eric Harley taking your calls. 1-866-90-RED-EYE. And he is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. This is the, the, the one thing that really, you know, it, when we look at the union movement and we're talking about the UAW now is withholding uh, the Biden re-election endorsement unless they do something that the union leadership is not specific on. And I, I don't know what they want. With the electric vehicles, you expect the government, because they're subsidizing it, to come in and say that means there needs to be a guaranteed number of union jobs that are involved in this? Is that what they're expecting? I, I don't know because right. the, the he wasn't specific in the article that, that uh, I had uh, here. But to sit there and say uh, that uh, we need our members, we need to get our members organized behind a pro-worker, pro-climate and pro-democracy political program that can deliver for the working class is a bunch of, of, of uh, well, let's call it what it is, BS. Yeah. It's, it's pure BS to the, to the union workers out there. And we have said this for the longest time, and I do believe when it comes to talking about unions, I do have some credibility being a former United Steel worker and former International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers uh, member and helping to work on a contract one time when I was in my 20s because I was the only one with a college education and it was a small local and we didn't trust our business manager. So they said, you got the college degree, help us out uh, uh, on this. Uh, but one thing that I know, being in management in my life and being in a union in my life uh, is the fact is what you need to be a successful union is a very vibrant manufacturing base of companies that see an opportunity to make a great deal of money worldwide. Not cooperating with governments and believing that your business model is going to be a industry which is, in essence, the capital is much more controlled by the government than it should be and the government grants and the subsidies force a company to become less productive. The Democratic Party and those that believe in the pro-climate, that have the pro-climate mindset, wish to destroy your union jobs. We've seen it already. We've seen it in the Biden administration already. And I, for the life of me, don't understand why union members and why these unions continually elect leaders that wish to destroy their own union. Over and over again. And we've seen it over the years. I mean, unless leadership, union leadership, and they need to come out and say it if this is the case, is saying, hey, we want to basically, um, as we uh, transition here to the government takeover of industry, then that will mean our union will transition into a public union. <laughs> All right. I didn't think of that. You right. know, if, if, you if, got me. I didn't if, think of that one. If they are, <laughs> if this is where they're going, they need to say that because otherwise you're destroying your jobs. You're destroying the future. Well, the only thing in a positive way you could take out of this if you were a UAW member is Fain didn't come out and say, uh, pro-illegal immigration. Yeah. 
Right. As they've been in the past. They have been. The leadership of the major unions of this country have been pro-illegal immigration while right. the workers, the union workers, are paying their dues to the union leadership to have leaders that were promoting what the worker believed was an idea that would kill their own job. Right. It's funny because that's how bad the border situation is right now. Not even the unions are, not even <laughs> the, the union unions leadership. will touch it. It's like, yes. no, 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 we're not going to touch it. And, and you know, I mean, honestly, there's your only choice. If union leadership is looking at this going, hey, listen, if we stick around long enough, the government will take over industry and we'll just become a public union. But the fact of the matter is, is if you're a union member, your union dues are going toward less productivity and less profits. Yep. Ford laid it out. Where are the profits? Gas-powered vehicles. Where's the loss? Electric vehicles. And it will be... For our lifetime, for that to become profitable for these major OEMs. I mean, my gosh, again, the mining of the materials alone is going to be staggeringly massive. Insurmountable in terms of making a profit. The only way they'll do it is with government handouts. The only way they'll stay above water. Is with public money, but they still can't make a profit with the subsidies they're it's, getting yeah, now. Yeah, it's not. It's and, not a. It's not no. going to be a profit. Nope. So what you have to do is you have to. This is this is where it will go. This is this is how they met the cafe standards all along. What do you do? You make lighter vehicles and lighter vehicles. Even your trucks get lighter. You get lighter, 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 and they become more expensive. And then I don't know what they do. I don't know what the plan is. For that threshold, which we're just about to get to where people, the average uh, household, can't afford a new vehicle. I mean, I, I don't know what that threshold is, but we're close. I'm convinced we're very close. I was reading an article yesterday that came across that said the, uh, you know, the handful of states, there's six or seven that are moving uh, toward outlawing essentially the sale of new uh, vehicles that are gas-powered. Uh, California leading the pack there. But you have other states that are moving in that direction. Which means if you want a gas-powered vehicle after 2035, it's going to have to be a used vehicle. Or you go to another state you that is ludicrous. Yep. And, how do they, and, and, and how do they get around that? Well, they're hoping by then Governor Newsom will be President Newsom and his administration will be enacting the same kind of policy on a national scale. You know, and with New York and the banning of natural gas, you know, this is this is more and more. This is where they are going. They have to outlaw. We said it. They have to outlaw it for the transit. What does that tell you? 
What does that tell you? That they have to make it against the law for it to go away. And the insanity of the you know of New York passing the uh, the gas stoves in in new buildings mm-hmm. is that that means there needs to be electric stoves. Mm-hmm. And as you have had many electrical engineers come on and say, wait a minute, hold it. It's Are you going to produce the electricity? But it's more efficient. Right. It's actually more efficient to have the gas stove. Right. Because otherwise you have to have gas generators mm-hmm. where you have a great deal of, of loss of efficiency of that gas generator through the grid lines to then power the electric the electric stove, you're you're actually using more energy and doing the opposite. But just like just like the Keystone Pipeline, it didn't even matter by their own narrative of climate change, no, no. by their own belief in this is the Democrats' belief in climate change. Because when they cut off the Keystone Pipeline, you had Biden's energy secretary. Uh, uh, czar secretary, mm-hmm. czar secretary. <laughs> the secretary czar president <laughs> czar secretary uh, and, and the transportation secretary all come out and say that actually the worst thing you could do for climate change was not to have, to have the pipeline right it would be better just to have the pipeline shipping it than trains and trucks right but it didn't matter because the narrative is we need to get rid of fossil fuels. And so they actually went against what they actually believed and destroyed tens of thousands of union jobs. And this wasn't like decades later or even one decade later. It was right after it happened. Yeah. They asked the top three people who would be pertinent in this administration that same question. And they all said the same thing. Well, yeah. The most climate-friendly and efficient way to move it is pipeline. That's the world we live in today. We talked about for years, well, what they'll have to do is they'll have to outlaw certain behaviors. I don't know. My gosh. I know for at least as long as you and I have been together, but, but I'm sure we've each said it separately even before we worked together. They have to outlaw the behavior. They have to outlaw the sale of new gas-powered vehicles. They have to outlaw the use of natural gas. Remember the slogan from natural gas not too long ago. Clean, plentiful, natural gas. Now, I know that came from the natural gas industry, but it was promoted. It was propped up at that time by the left. We need to be moving more towards cleaner energy like natural gas. That lasted about a minute. Because they realized, oh, wait a minute, same industry as oil. Uh, We're going to move on from that because they know if they break the energy companies, they can nationalize energy. Wind and solar is what they want. And by then, natural gas, production and delivery, that's their goal is to nationalize it. And this is how you do it. You outlaw the traditional forms. You break those energy companies, so that, well, sorry, there's only one solution here, and that's for the big government to come in and take over. We want to make sure that everybody's energy is plentiful. And by the way, by plentiful, we mean don't use your electricity between 2 and 7 p.m. To show you 
that they don't even know what they're doing. I want to play the audio cut that we started the show off with. Mm. This is Biden Deputy Energy Secretary David Turk uh, and Senator Kennedy asking him questions about the $50 trillion in taxpayer dollars, the $50 trillion or more, because mm. remember the Green New Deal came up again. What do you expect? If we spend this money, what will we get out of this? Right. What will the result be? Listen yeah. to this insanity. Percent of global emissions. Yeah, but if right you could now. answer my question, if we spend fifty trillion dollars to become carbon neutral in the United States of America by two thousand and fifty, you're the deputy secretary of energy. Give me your estimate of how much that is going to reduce world temperatures. So, so first of all, it's a net cost. Um, it's what uh, benefits we're having from getting our act together and reducing all of those climate benefits. We're seeing. Let me ask again. Maybe I'm being. Right now. Maybe I'm not being clear. If we spent fifty trillion dollars to become carbon neutral by two thousand and fifty in the United States of America, how? How much is that going to reduce world temperatures? This is a global problem. So we need to reduce our emissions and we need to do everything we can. How much, if we do our part, is it going to reduce world temperatures? So we're 13 percent of global emissions. You don't know, do you? You don't know, do you? You can do the math. We need to. You don't know, do you, Mr. Secretary? So we're 13 percent of global emissions. If you know, why won't you tell me? If we went to zero, that would be 13 percent. You don't know, do you? You just want us to spend $50 trillion dollars. And you don't have the slightest idea whether it's going to reduce world temperatures. Now, I'm all for carbon neutrality, but you're the deputy secretary of the Department of Energy, and you're advocating we spend trillions of dollars to seek carbon neutrality, and you can't, and this isn't your money or my money, it's taxpayer money, and you can't tell me how much it's going to lower world temperatures? Or you won't tell me? You know, but you won't? In my heart of hearts, there is no way the world gets its act together on climate change unless the U.S. leads. Tell me how much it's the going US to reduce. You, you can't tell me. <laughs> and he couldn't. No, he, he couldn't. didn't even show yeah. up with the proper lie. Yeah. Right. Eight six six ninety red eye. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio toll free at eight six six ninety red eye. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE, if uh, you would like uh, to get into the uh, show. And, you know, one other thing here when we talk about, you know, the whole climate change and fossil fuels, there's a, the story again, Native American tribe condemns Biden administration effort to ban uh, uh, oil gas leasing on uh, Native American land. I mean, that's a big issue right now. Mm-hmm. They're saying, wait a minute, this mm-hmm. is something that can enrich uh, you know, our, our tribes, you know, you, right. you, you don't have a say over this, right? You know, we have our, our ta- you claim we, Democrats claim that we have our autonomy, but you won't let us have it here on our own land. Uh, you know, what's, what's the problem in, in, uh, in doing it. So look, as we have talked about the science itself, the, the, uh, the concepts of electrical engineering, We've seen it here in the state of Texas. Solar and wind can't do it. Right. If you electrified the in, uh, entire, uh, all the vehicles in the United States, 
we don't have the we we went through all the figures a couple of weeks ago. It's not possible to run society and do that. No, it isn't. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.